Biblical Answers for Schizophrenia on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. Today, I am delighted to have with us Dr. John Street. Every time I'm around this guy, I laugh until my belly hurts. I love being with Dr. John Street. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He's an elder at Grace Community Church and has been for a number of years. He's a longtime board member at ACBC. He serves now as our board chairman, uh, which I'm delighted to work with him on a consistent basis. He's also the chair of the Department of Biblical Counseling at the Master's University and Seminary, serves there as a professor. And uh, I love Dr. John Street, and I appreciate him being here with us today and to talk about what is often considered a very difficult subject, the subject of schizophrenia. And so where I want to start, if I can, uh, Dr. Street, is, is just ask about this idea, this term of schizophrenia. So many people are confused by it. So many people don't understand it. We, we understand it sort of from a cultural perspective and, and what we think when we hear that term. But there's a lot of confusion. That goes without saying. Uh, and so how do we define this idea of schizophrenia? I mean, what are we talking about here? Well, that's a good question. I think one of the things that's most helpful for people is to put this within historic setting because um, historically, um, down through many centuries, people didn't have any idea of the term schizophrenia. By the early 20th century, the old concept of insanity or madness became fragmented into diseases or psychosis. But soon the term schizophrenia was being used, and it was actually coined by a Swiss psychiatrist. Uh, his name was Eugen Bueller in um, 1908. And he coined it from two Greek terms. One is schizo, which means split, and the other one, friend, which is the Greek term for mind, is the idea. And it gave the impression from at least the Greek terminology that was used there that a person was suffering from a split mind. There's a split type of reality to it. So, but I think one of the key things that helped people to understand is that up to this particular point, usually a person like this was described as being insane or sometimes even mad, depending on how serious the symptomology was there. And it's only been recently in terms of history that people have called this cluster of symptoms schizophrenia. And in fact, there are five um, major symptom domains that are usually used to describe this term. One is that a person is experiencing delusions, that is believing something that is not true or a false belief. That's a very broad description that's used in the DSM-5. And the other symptom area, symptomology is um, hallucinations where a person is hearing or even seeing things that others do not hear and see. Uh, another has to do with disorganized speech where a person is incoherent or some, sometimes nonsensical in terms of their talk. Um, a fourth one is um, disorganized or catatonic type of behavior. In other words, it's usually behavior that's very inappropriate for the situation that has been that that person is in. And then the last set of characteristics is sometimes what is referred to as negative symptomology, which um, 
it's not directly related, but it's indirectly related to the symptoms of schizophrenia. And that is depression is usually a side effect, uh, anxiety, sleep problems. Usually a person has pretty serious social withdrawal from people. There's a lack of motivation in their life or just a difficulty in normal functioning, what we would consider to be normal functioning that are part of uh, everyday life. Now, that definition is helpful. And, and especially what's interesting to me is that uh, you just described the criteria as it's even laid out in the DSM-5. And, and for us to consider that, I think, is really critical because the DSM-5 gives these categories for this label as a, a cluster symptom. That's the language that you use, and that's exactly the language that's used in the introduction of the DSM to describe this type of diagnosis. But oftentimes we, we know very clearly that um, this idea of schizophrenia comes with um, what we would know as physical symptoms, symptoms that are expressed in some sort of bodily form. And we oftentimes, because of that, we categorize this as a problem that's outside of the purview of biblical counselors. Now, I want us to talk specifically about these physical symptoms because we are body and soul. That's certainly true. Um, but most people would describe that we have these types of experiences, those diagnosed with schizophrenia, uh, because of some sort of physical ailment that now leads to these symptoms. Talk a little bit about uh, what we know about the physical symptoms related to schizophrenia. Yeah, and there are Numerous physical symptoms. So this is a really great question. We could almost go on all day just talking about these issues, but um, whether or not this is caused by some organic causality, whether or not that's really going on, the jury is still out at best on this. And I think we have to be very, very careful uh, about professionals um, who want to label this only as a physical disease. Um, now, we're not opposed in biblical counseling to recognize genuine physical diseases and that there are complex component parts of the physical body that affects the spiritual conditioning of a person. We're not opposed to that at all. Um, but there are well-qualified professionals in the medical community that disagree about this and uh, that really don't have anything to do with biblical counseling. So it's not some kind of agenda that we're writing here. So when you label it a disease, then you begin to believe that change is possible only through some kind of drug regimen when that happens. And yet uh, we know from experience and from um, uh, what the scriptures say that there can be significant change that goes beyond just a person's biological uh, problems that are going on and that schizophrenia um, even if it did have a biological etiology or causation, um, you can still address spiritual issues the same way you would help a person with a terminal cancer. You can still address that. So I don't think biblical counselors should be afraid to help people in this situation, recognize that there may be a component of other professionals that will be able to come in and be able to help them as well, uh, especially in the medical profession. Uh, on the other hand, I think it'd be just as dangerous to label this only as a spiritual problem too, because the interplay of the mind and body is very, very complicated. And where really what happens in the soul uh, within a sin-cursed body um, 
sometimes will result in somewhat bizarre and unusual interactions that a person may not fully and completely uh, understand in, in their life. Um, but l- let me also mention the fact that I think one of the things that we have to be very, very careful about is um, that there are numerous actual physical problems, numerous physical problems that masquerade as being schizophrenia. In fact, those physical problems could be divided down into eight different categories with 28 different physical symptoms that can mimic schizophrenic type characteristics. Now that's significant. So if you have a person that comes to you in terms of counseling, one of the first things you need to do is get them to have a very, very thorough medical checkup and exam. We've got to do the best that we can to rule out any of these physical problems. For example, problems with the central nervous system of the body. We know that HIV can affect and have schizophrenic-like effects upon a person. Neurosyphilis can do the same thing. Uh, Encephalitis can do the same thing. Prion disease can do the same thing. All of those are central nervous system type um, problems. Or there can be problems in terms of neoplasm in the body, and that can manifest in sometimes real schizophrenic-like symptoms. Or the thyroid or the parathyroid or the adrenal glands sometimes can be directly affected by some kind of, um, these are endocrine pathologies that can have schizophrenic-like symptoms. Now, the list is much longer than that. I'm just using this as, as an example. So as a good counselor, and in terms of as biblical counselors, we believe what the Word of God says. We're a complex uh, component of body and spirit, and we've got to take seriously what happens in the body, and we've got to make sure that there are no physiological problems masquerading as kind of spiritual problems. And that's going to be critical for a good biblical counselor to do and and to check out. It's really interesting because Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 12 talks about the fact that he, for a period of time in his life, Solomon lived a very materialistic lifestyle. He kind of devoted himself to that. Um, And he uses the phraseology, it's a Hebraism in, in Ecclesiastes, which he called living under the sun. That means without any reference to God. And he said, during that particular time, I turned to consider wisdom, madness, and folly for what will the man do who will come after the king except what has already been done. And so, in other words, living from purely and under the sun perspective without God or any reference to God, um, there is a way that people live that can lead to madness and folly. It becomes a philosophy of life that tends to rule them or dominate their life. And of course, this is really critical. And in fact, the the biblical view of delusion is that it is it is a highly desirable false view of reality that people have allowed themselves to believe. And if maintained, it will eventually end in madness. I want you to think about that for a little bit from a biblical perspective. In other words, can a person by their philosophical approach to life, by what they believe, 
That is, believing a falsehood bring about madness in their own life? And the Bible says very clearly, absolutely yes. Then at this point, the etiology is not some kind of biological origin. The etiology here or the causation of it is actually a spiritual causation. Uh, the Bible also talks about fearful expectations. Fearful expectations can cause a person to deceitfully impersonate delusional madness. I mean, we can see this in 1 Samuel chapter 21 with David. David feigned that he was mad. And why did he do it? Because fear was ruling and dominating his life for a time. Um, or scripture tells us that sustained oppression, uh, life crisis type situations, um, and disobedience to the truth will often result in mental impairment. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 27 through 29, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 1. These are just illustrative. There are many other passages that we could use. And, and the Bible also tells us that a mentally unstable person can be seen in disorganized and sometimes very harmful personal behavior. So we have to take that into account as well. All of these are illustrations of the fact that the Bible doesn't say that necessarily this bizarre behavior or this madness or this folly um, is caused by some kind of biological abnormality that's going on in the body or in the brain, for that matter, even though we leave room for the fact that those kind of things can exist as diseases that can bring about same type of symptomology. But if you're able to rule out those particular diseases, then let's approach this from a biblical point of view. And that's one of the most compassionate things we can do. That's so critical because uh, oftentimes people may think, well, that, that's not very kind that we would engage in something like this. This is totally in the physical realm. And the reality is uh, we have to be cautious on both sides because to assume that something is physical when it's not really physical uh, becomes an issue. We should be engaging in in some of these uh, some of these problems. And so we, we have to be kind and cautious. Now, a couple of takeaways from that that I think I want to highlight that are important. Uh, the first one is we have to make sure that we are ruling out organic issues that are there. That is uh, consistent with, mm -hmm. with biblical counseling in our history. Um, the, the second thing is, is that uh, sometimes biblical counselors seem intimidated or afraid to engage in something like this that, that is maybe a little bizarre, that is a little bit unknown. And so if you will, talk for a second, Dr. Street, about um, should biblical counselors engage in something like this, especially when uh, we have so many thoughts that, oh, maybe this doesn't fit in our domain as biblical counselors? That's a great question. There was a, a psychiatrist, well-known psychiatrist, Thomas Satz, uh, who uh, practiced for many, many years at the State University of New York. And I remember comments he used to make about schizophrenia. Now, here, here this guy is not a Christian the way we would understand Christianity, but he talks about the fact that psychiatrists look for twisted molecules and defective genes as the causes of schizophrenia, he says, because schizophrenia is the name of a disease. And then he goes on and says, if Christianity or communism were called a diseases, uh, would they look for the chemical and genetic causes of the these conditions? Well, obviously, nobody would do that kind of thing, but that shows you, in a sense, the kind of logic sometimes that goes on there. 
And certainly one of the most compassionate things you can do is uh, lovingly help the person in this condition with their suffering. Um, you want to do that because it's compelled because you love the Lord as a good counselor and as a biblical counselor, first and foremost. And the natural outgrowth of that is going to be loving others as passionately as you already love yourself. Um, Matthew chapter 20, Jesus talks about that. So counselees then with schizophrenic characteristics um, are not used to that, at least in my experience. Uh, they're not used to, they're, they're oftentimes closed or guarded because they're accustomed to hiding from the criticism of other people and especially sometimes other Christians because of their bizarre behavior. And there's feelings of shame and guilt that go along with that. And so I think it's vitally important that a biblical counselor begins very slowly. They build that person's trust with very easy uh, questions. Uh, to help them understand that we care from the depths of our heart how well that person is faring and whether or not they're really suffering. And then the other issue is, as a biblical counselor, you've got to begin with the gospel. You really do, um, because that's the most loving thing that can be done, and it's the most hopeful thing that can be done. Um you begin with the gospel, no matter how well you think you know the person that you're counseling, because the overwhelming number of schizophrenics may say that they're Christian, but they are really not believers. God's word must determine the, their view of reality, not their voices or not what they see in their visions. It's God's word that's got to determine it. And the only way that's going to happen if they become a believer they trust what the Word of God says. The Word of God's got to frame their reality for them. Dr. Shree, listen, these are wonderful questions, and we have tons of counselors, I'm sure, out there who are asking these very questions. And what you've done today, I think, in a, in a very simple but yet eloquent way is you've helped us to, to nuance some of the confusion that's out there and really started with a biblical standard to say, okay, guys, listen, this is what the Bible says this is what the Bible gives categories and possibilities for. Let's begin there and then look at the data, not try and take everything that, that everyone else out there says, and we have to accept their, the cultural flow of it. I think that's an important piece of how we think about schizophrenia and schizophrenic symptoms and, and our engagement with people who struggle in this direction. So um, I want to encourage you that we, we obviously in 15, 20 minutes can't discuss all the things that need to be discussed in such a deeply complex and often debated uh, subject that, as you mentioned, scientists are often on different sides and, and multi-theoried approaches to how we should think about this. So we want to be cautious about that, but we have to start talking about it somewhere. And I think this is important. This is a biblical posture in how we would approach it. And so, brother, thank you so much for engaging us with this topic and being willing to try and address such a complex topic in a short amount of time with biblical clarity. Thank you been a pleasure to be here. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I want to encourage you, you're going to face complex situations like this, uh, just like we've talked about on the podcast today. And I want to encourage you to, to take that type of biblical posture in the way that you see everything. It's so important to begin at that place. For more information about this particular subject on schizophrenia, I'm sure you have 
hundreds of questions, which I love the fact that we give enough information that allow you to, to have more questions. And Dr. Street has actually uh, given a breakout session at our 2020 annual conference on this very subject. And again, he's going to give an hour long talk on this subject, but that even still feels insufficient with the complexity of the issue. But you will get a more full understanding of how biblically to think about these issues and then also tips on how do we engage in counseling with the power of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God to engage compassionately in hearts and lives of people who are struggling. So I want to encourage you to go seek out that particular breakout and the many others that were offered at our October 2020 conference that's now on our website at biblicalcounseling.com.